Well, we're on um, the third and last uh, teaching of our series on Hope Chapel's vision and values, the values of our home, which we all know our vision and values come straight from the cause of Christ, right? It's not about like, we're a good church and we made up some stuff. No way. We know what Jesus, our Lord and Savior, asks of us, what he can do in our lives. And so we want to be all about that, but we want to make sure we know where we're going. So we got this vision and we got these values. And hopefully you're wearing the values on your wrist right now as we speak. And uh, let you in on a little bit, little secret. You're going to be wearing a free t-shirt pretty soon because that's happening today. You guys are going to get a free t-shirt. We'll talk about what that's all about. But um, the series this morning, uh, the, the title of the sermon this morning, our, our, uh, our fourth value, but it's also tying right into the theme of our year this year as a church, is empower to win the world. We talked about connecting to God. That's got to be a priority, the utmost priority. Otherwise, all we got is just a gathering of people that are thinking positive thoughts. If it's not about Jesus, it's not about anything, right? So you got to connect to God. You got to connect to God's family. Um, get into many churches. Get in to being those redwoods that are so big and strong, but they don't fall over because the roots are all intertwined, right? Because we're together in this thing. We need each other in life. And so get connected to the family. Get equipped that those roots, roots would go down deep so that you're growing. You can be all that you can be. Redwood trees. How many of you guys have a new fascination with redwood trees because of that sermon? Wasn't that good? That was good. I got all these people like sending me stuff. Oh, check out National Geographic 1978. They have a like, you know, and people are like, oh, I went on Netflix. There's this really good movie about the Redwoods. And everyone is just like, now, now everyone's like, oh, Carl's the biggest fan. So let's give him all the stuff, the suggestions. But I love it. I don't even, I'm bringing it. I'm going to watch that stuff. Because again, it's not just a sermon on Redwood trees. It was a sermon on us as Christians getting equipped with roots that grow down deep and that we're resistant to all of the, the world throws at us because we're planted in Jesus Christ. Amen? So that sermon, if you remember, it's Redwoods, but it's about equipping. It's about we get equipped so that we could serve, we could give back, so that new life could always sprout up out of us. No matter if we get knocked over, we're going to keep growing. We're going to keep on blessing the world. Well, here's the last one, the last um, value of ours on our wristbands, and I'm wearing all three just so that I'm not, you know, trying to show favoritism. So I even got the pink for the girls on there. But um, the last one is that we would be a church that empowers to win the world, that we would have a focus that says, we have a heart for the lost that are in this world, and we know that the only way for us to have enough boldness and creativity and wisdom and desire to reach them is if we get empowered by the power of the Holy Spirit. There's... Um, a uh, command that Jesus gave us, his great commission, the great famous last words that Jesus gave us in Matthew 28, 18, where he talks about, well, here's a scenario, right? He came to earth because we had lost contact and connection with God in a real way. We had the Old Testament laws and prophets, and God was just going, man, it's so hard for these people to really get it and to, to stay connected to me, but I love them so much. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to send my very one and only son, co-creator of the universe with me. I'm going to send him down there and get the job done. And he's going to do his thing, die on the cross and raise again and bring forgiveness and salvation and bring all that so that we could be connected again. So when Jesus had accomplished his mission, he had risen from the grave and he was on planet earth for 40 more days. For, for a little over a month, he was still walking around, continuing saying, look, I proved who I am. Let me give you some last minute instructions. Let me tell you how to set up church and how to reach the world. And one time he gathered his disciples together and he said these words to us, which was his famous last words, great commission. He said, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, 
Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you and be sure of this, I'm with you always even to the end of the age. That means that Jesus gave us this great commission, not great suggestion, okay? A lot of times we as Christians think that the great commission is basically, as long as I know God and I'm living really good for him and I'm, I'm trying to do good things, then I have this option of going out there and, and being evangelistic, which means sharing my faith and talking to other people about Jesus. We think, if I don't get it done, you know, I don't have the gift of evangelism. There's other people in the body of Christ, they'll get it done, as long as I'm looking after myself. And it's a nice option if I ever feel bold enough that I might share with my friend. Jesus basically said, he's commanded us as Christians, every one of us, that there's no options. That part of your Christian walk is, you know, in all four of these things, you're getting connected, you're growing, you're equipping, you're serving the body, but at some point you have to realize that there's a whole bunch of people out there that don't have what I have and they need to have what I have, amen? amen? And we need to remember every one of us, we're about getting out into the world. This church believes in that, that's why we're gonna talk about that today. We got a really quick little video we wanna show you that's some highlights of what we did as a church. It's, it doesn't catch all of them, I'm bummed we just didn't think to video every event that we had this year, but it gives you a glimpse of why, why this church has such an emphasis on going out there and going after the world and getting in the world and giving Jesus away. So you're going to see a real quick highlight video of 2012. Uh, take a look at the big screen. good? I like that line. It says, we're going public with this. This is what this is all about, is we have found this hope in Jesus Christ that has changed our lives, that is the reason we're here this morning. It's, it's the reason we live, the reason we have purpose, and we're giving it away. We're here to, be, to make a difference in this world and to shine our light. And that's really what we're talking about this morning is, is how do we go out there and we touch the world? How do we get empowered to win the whole wide world to Jesus Christ? Um, look at your notes, if you would, with me. There's, there's a few points that I put in there. The first one I want us to see is, is kind of the why we have to do it. It's we got to understand that we're expanding the family of God, is that we are so blessed by being a part of his family and all that he does for us and the connectivity and all that's going down with that. But we got to understand that there's a whole bunch of people that are outside the family that need to be in the family. How many of you guys know right now, if I say, think of someone right now that you know needs to know Jesus, that every one of you could instantly go, yep, 
my mom, my coworker, my friend, my this, whatever. We've got people on our hearts. See, God's already planted that desire in our hearts for us to share with them, but it's just a matter of getting inspired and motivated to realize we're called to do it and we want to do it and we're going to do it well. We've got to expand the family. And here's what I mean by that is we have to have a love for the lost. We as Christians, it's, it's not an option to just think that like I, I'll take care of my stuff and if I have any time or room or energy left to, over after, maybe I'll get to inviting someone else to church or talk to someone else about my faith. It's not an option. We gotta understand there's a world that is lost out there. They don't have what we have. I woke up this morning. I don't know about you guys, but I woke up this morning and, and I've had like a rough week. There's been stuff going on. You know, there's always, there's always just stuff in life, you know, isn't it? It's like you don't have to, it's not like one thing. There's just stuff. It's like it always hits at the same times and I'm just like, ah. And I didn't wake up with my alarm. I have to preach at 7 a.m. service, right? So I usually set my alarm 545 and I can pull it all off. Well, it's like I just woke up and I'm like, oh, I didn't hear my alarm. I wonder if it's going to go off yet. It was like 615 already. I'm like, ah, panic. And you know when you wake up in that mode? and you're not used to it, like nothing in life makes sense. You're like, where am I? Oh, what's going on? What do I, you know, do, oh, is this my clothes? No, I already have clothes on. What, what, where, you know, what do I do? And you just, nothing makes sense. And I'm, and I'm panicking because of the time and I don't know what's going on. I'm like, I'm supposed to be at church, oh, 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 you know? And then I'm thinking um, of all, the, all of the stuff because I'm in that anxiety kind of mode, all of the stuff that's been beating me up over the week and you know, all the dumb thoughts the enemy just places in there, the chaos, the stuff. That all comes floating back, and I'm just like, oh, you know, and it just, it's just for a couple seconds, it's just like overwhelming, because you're already not even in your right mind, right? And I just had to stop and literally just breathe and go, wait a minute, I have Jesus. Okay, I'm going to be okay, right? And I had to stop and just go, whoa, I don't know what's going on. Like, it looks like my life is just in this dark tunnel, and I don't know what's going on. But the minute I remembered that I actually have the hope of the world, the hope of nations, and he's my best friend and my Lord and my Savior, he's got my life, he's got my back, then suddenly it's like, I'm in that dark tunnel, man, and it looks dark, and I don't know what's going on. But wait, what is that at the end? See a little pinhole. I see some light. Oh, you know what that is? That's Jesus waiting for me on the other side. He's still here. He's still guiding me. He's got me, and I'm okay. And I could calm down and I had peace and like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm a pastor. I'm going to church. That's where I'm going, right? And I could jump in my car and be cool and, and 7 a.m. went great. Why? Because I have hope. Because I have purpose in my life. Because I wake up and I may feel lost, but instantly I remember what I am. I'm in the family of God and there's a bunch of people. My friends are out there. What do they do when they wake up like that? Where do they have to turn to? Who is going to show them the light at the end of the tunnel? And God goes, you are. That's your job. That's the church's job. That's our job together. The family, we must have a love for the lost. And here's what I mean about that is it should always be in our mind. We should always be thinking of those people that are out there and not distinguishing and separating ourselves. But here's this, this statement I found in this book, which I just love this book. Um, it's called It by Craig Groeschel. Amazing pastor, just really cool book. Um, he talks about it, trying to find it. What is the it factor in life? How do churches that have it, what is, what is it? And it's basically, I think, a combination of things. that You're, you're loving people. You're investing in people. You, you're preaching good, the word of the Lord. The Holy Spirit is in you. It's all of that kind of stuff is how do I become the church that I want to be, the leader, the person that I really want to be, the it factor. It says this, love, because we're talking about love for the lost. Love makes you do crazy things. Who do you love? Do you love people who don't know Christ? Because that's the big question for today. Do we really love people who don't know Christ? The it-fueled people do, and they love deeply. But honestly, many so-called Christians don't. You don't have to look far to find churches full of people who are insulating themselves from the world, 
hunkering down, avoiding the PG-13 movies and secular music. These inward-looking religious types keep their distance from anyone who drinks beer, cusses after a bad golf swing, smokes anything, has a tattoo, oops, or wears designer jeans with holes in them. They avoid homosexuals, they criticize rock stars, they stare disapprovingly at purple hair and mohawks, and they're afraid of MTV. <laughs> Too many believers are avoiding that kind of person. And it says they've forgotten that Jesus came for that kind of person. See, we as a church want to have one of our main values be that we care for that kind of person. We care for all kinds of people because anyone that doesn't know Jesus is lost and it's our job to bring Jesus to them. Amen? And so we're not going to be a church that's judgmental. We're not going to be a church that, that tries to hide and have a holy huddle. And we have, they say that there's that um, fortress mentality that churches get sometimes where all the holy people come together and we hide away from the rest of the bad stuff that's in the world. And we got to remember that we were right there in the bad of the world until someone reached out and brought us in, right? And so we need to be the people that are connecting, that are bringing. And, and it just brings to mind the, the picture I have of, um, oh, one of, my, one of my friends, I think, has this tattooed on him or something. I don't know where I saw this, but it's this image that I love. Is that a, a healthy Christian should always have one hand that's reaching to God for help, right? but that other hand that's always reaching to someone else that's in need of help. We always got to remember it's not just this, oh God, I love you, but it's like, wait, my, my friends don't know you. Can I bring them along? And you're bringing people along to the party. Isn't that good? It's an image that sticks in my head when it comes to this stuff. And God says, have a love for the lost. Have an urgency that you care about them. Second Peter 3, 9, here's the Lord's heart. The Lord isn't, is, they're questioning him in Second Peter and, and Peter's kind of defending Jesus and he goes, Jesus is coming back again someday soon. But some of you would scoff and mock and say, yeah, right, where's the Lord? He's not coming back. Why is he taking so long? And so Peter says this, 2 Peter 3, 9, he says, the Lord isn't really being slow about his promise to return, as some people think. No, he's being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but he wants everyone to repent. See, this is the heart of God is that none would perish. That none, you know, that the whole reason he came and set up everything, number one, is he created man and woman and mankind to have relationship with him, have eternal life with him. Original sin takes place, the Garden of Eden, they walk away. God was trying to give laws and instructions and prophets to pull people back. I want to have relationship with them. I don't want them to perish, but sin separates us. Jesus is the solution. I want to get them back, right? And we forget that God actually has a heart. He doesn't just go, well, some are going to heaven, some are going to hell, too bad. His whole idea is that we would all have relationship with him. Here's the problem, though. That because he wants us to love him, the problem is that true love means that you have free will to choose that love or to reject that love, right? Because when I married my wife, I didn't just like pick her and say, you have to love me and we're going to just live together happily ever after, right? There's a, a decision we all know as spouses that there's a lot of fish in the sea. And when we found our one, that's our one. And we chose that person because we love them. I had options. But with God, it's the same as like, I love those people. <laughs> What did I, what did I say? Did I? I had options. <laughs> Let me just say this. She had options. <laughs> I was probably not first choice, right? And there was a lot of other, there's fish in the sea. There's people out there and we all have options. Cover myself. <laughs> Kanani, I love you. <laughs> But all the more reason, 
I picked you out of everybody. She picked me out of everybody else. And what an amazing thing that is, right? And here's a God of creation that goes, I love you guys enough to not force you to love me. I love you enough that I've offered my son and offered all of that, but true love says you could say no. The only way I'll know it's true love is if you actually choose me back in return. And his heart is that I wish no one would say no. I hope no one says no. I really have a heart that wants all those people to come to him. But here's the thing. He expects me and you to be the ones that introduce people to Jesus. Jesus went back to heaven and he's getting the place ready for us. And the only way people are gonna know about this relationship with him is that if we are the ones that go and say, we know you have the choice, but we really pick you, we hope you pick God because he's gonna change everything. And it leaves it up to us. And there's a song that we sing that, that Trevor leads us in. I think it's called Hosanna, where it says, um, there's this one line that gets me every time. It says, break my heart for what breaks yours. You guys know that song I'm talking about? Break my heart for what breaks yours. Everything I am for your kingdom cause. Something like that, right? But that line gets me because I'm always thinking, what breaks God's heart? And does my heart break for the things that breaks God's heart? And when I read this verse that talks about having a love for the lost, what I understand is that I need to always remember to let my heart be broken for the people out there that don't have the hope that I have, that don't have the relationship with Jesus that I have. Not to like pity them or to whatever like that, but just to say, I found something so good, I really want you to be a part of it. He said that we're to make disciples of all the nations. That means everyone. That means every people group, every culture, everything. Everybody needs Jesus. The way the Bible says it, and I'm not really one of those turn or burn kind of teachers, but the Bible basically says you don't know Jesus, you're going to hell. There is a true heaven and a true hell, and there's no other options. There's no limbo. There's no, I'll just continue existing or I'll just cease to exist. We are spiritual beings with physical bodies. That means we all live forever. It just depends where we go, right? And so basically what he's saying is, if I don't do something to tell my friends about Jesus, they're not gonna know him. They are going to hell. There better be an urgency in me. There better be my heart breaking once in a while when I pray for my friends because it breaks my father's heart. It breaks his heart to know that there's these people. So we gotta have this hope. Here's what Pastor Erwin McManus once asked. He said, when have we forgotten that the church does not exist for us? We are the church and we exist for the world. Think about that. When have we forgotten that the church doesn't exist for us we're the church and we exist for the world. That means it's on us. We want everyone to be in the family. We wanna have an awesome family of God. We wanna be intertwined like Redwood standing strong. But the we starts with me. The we starts with you. The we starts with us getting out there and going, if we wanna have that family and all that good that none would perish, then I gotta do something about it because God left it up to me. He commissioned me to go out there and to make a difference. Um, Curry R. Blake said this, if your gospel isn't touching others, then it hasn't really touched you. If your gospel isn't touching others, then it hasn't really touched you. If you can sit here right now and, and say, I know the goodness of God in my life. I am so glad I'm a Christian and I'm not the most perfect Christian in the world, but praise God for Jesus. Praise God I wake up every morning and I've got a hope and I've got a purpose in this life. But if we understand that it's touched us, then it better be touching other people. We better be out there thinking, I got to give this away. Is this a good word this morning? Yes. Oh, it's challenging. It's not scolding. It's just that this is who we are, man. There's a world that needs God. But before we can do that, before we can get out there, it's interesting that Jesus says this, don't go out there unequipped, 
right? He basically says you need to power up before you go out there and try to connect people to Jesus Christ because it, it takes work. It takes a little persistence. It's hard. Make sure you're equipped and you're up to the job. Why? Because you can't share what you don't already own. You can't give away what you don't already have. You can't say, oh, I've heard about this guy and he's good. If you haven't experienced it, owned it, and powered up on all the goodness of God, then you're not gonna have the power and the ability to give that away. Here's what it says in Acts 1, verses four and five. It talks about Jesus and it says, once when he was eating with them, his disciples, his followers, it says he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. He had already said, go out into all the world and, and reach everybody. And they're like, okay. But then he says this, now wait. Just wait here in Jerusalem, the, the, the main city here. Before you go out into all the world, wait because the Father in heaven, he has something he's gonna give you that's gonna empower you to be that much better when you go out there and talk to people. He says this, don't leave until the Father sends you the gift he promised as I told you before. John the Baptist baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Wait in Jerusalem before you run out and tell everybody about me. I've got something that's gonna help you out. In fact, I nicknamed him the helper because he's there to help you. He's the comforter. He's the guy. He's the one that will lead you into all truth. He's the empowerer. You need to be powered up. Drop down a few verses in verse eight. It says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And what he's basically saying is, before you go out there and you reach all your friends and family for Jesus and you share your, your, your faith with them, make sure you get the power. Make sure you power up. Make sure you take advantage of the Holy Spirit because you're not gonna be able to do it on your own. And he's gonna be the one that comes along and empowers you. So what I, I see in that is, I need to put into practice who God is in my life. I need to believe it and receive it because I need to be empowered because I, I can't do all of this stuff on my own. And how do I power up? Because it sounds like kind of real spiritual and churchy. Power up on the Holy Spirit. Well, a lot of it is just basically living the life, doing the things we already talked about. Connecting to God, getting in there with God, connecting to God's family that's gonna feed you and, and grow you and help you become a better Christian. Getting equipped, putting your roots down deeper, reading the word, praying, practicing, inviting God and his presence into your life. You're gonna get empowered so that you can go out there. But there's also another really important thing you need to do if you have to power up with the Holy Spirit before you go reach people. And it's like, it's something that a lot of people overlook. And I'm going to give you like a little hint today and hope that you can write this thing down is how do I power up on the, the power of the Holy Spirit? Get ready for this one. It's pretty heavy, pretty profound. You probably don't already do it. Here's what you got to do. Ask him. Just ask him. It's that easy and simple. And we, a lot of times, and the reason I'm making a big deal about it is we just go, yeah, God, I know you and I'm good. And you know what? I know God the Father. He loved me. And Jesus came down to earth. He's the son of God. He does that. And there's that other guy, the Holy Spirit. He's kind of trippy. He's kind of weird. They call him a ghost. I don't know if I want anything to do with that, right? There's like, oh, I don't know about that prophecy and speaking in tongues and, and all that. That's good, but how does that happen? I'm not one of those people. I'm definitely not one of those people. We forget that there's three members of the Trinity and we're supposed to have all three active in our lives in a relationship with all, with all three of them. Amen? The Bible doesn't make any light of it. It says we ought to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit and we're to know all three. And so really the simple thing, guys, to get all spiritual and filled up on the power of the Holy Spirit, start your day off like this, like I started this morning. God, I don't know what the heck's going on in my mind right now. I don't even know where I am. What, is, what the heck is going on? And this is what I pray. Thank you, Lord, for who you are. Fill me with your Holy Spirit because I'm, I'm kind of lost right now. Just fill me, just simple. Fill me with the power of your Holy Spirit. Whatever that looks like, 
however that comes out, however that manifests in my life, I need some help here. And so I want to go and speak words that are going to reach people. I want to be a, a person that can lead my family, be the best husband I can be, the best father I can be, the best friend I can be. I need some help, God. So you know what? Fill me with your Holy Spirit, whatever that looks like. You give me whatever you think it is that I need so that I can be that in my life. We simply ask. We're supposed to look different. Philippians 2.14 says, in everything you do, stay away from complaining and arguing so that no one can speak a word of blame against you. You're to live clean, innocent lives as children of God in a dark world full of crooked and perverse people. Let your lives shine brightly before them. It's basically talking about when you receive the power of the Holy Spirit, it's gonna change you and it's gonna enable you to be a better witness out there when you go around and you try to connect people to Jesus. I have a love for the lost. I don't know how to reach them. Well, fill up on the Holy Spirit and something's gonna happen. And it talks about this in this situation that we should be different. When he says you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, I looked up this word power. It's an interesting word, this word dunamis in the Greek language, right? We get the word dynamite from it. And it basically says that, that if you ask for the filling of the Holy Spirit, you're gonna receive an extra dose of power that's gonna enable you to go shine brightly like stars in the sky in a, in a crooked and perverse world, that you're gonna look different, you're gonna act different, you're gonna have something different so that they would know who Jesus is in your life. And so here's the definition of this dunamis. It has to do with two different things. The first thing it's describing the type of power is it's a moral power that has to do with virtue and excellence of character and spirit. It basically is a power that says, when you say, Holy Spirit, fill me, he's gonna help you be a person of goodness, of making right decisions, of righteousness, of holiness, of integrity. That means just the life you live, not even your mouth, not even the words that come out of your mouth, the way you are at work when you say, you know what, everyone's cutting corners and being a little bit shady, I'm just gonna do it the right way because God is in me and he's telling me to do it the right way. And you know what, when deadlines drop on me and everybody else and everyone's stressing and freaking out, I'm okay with that. I have a calm because I have a peace in God and God's got control of me. The Holy Spirit gives you this virtue this excellence, this moral power to do what's right, absolutely, when everybody else is kind of going, wait, the economy's falling apart. We all just took pay cuts. How come you're still okay? How come you seem to be happy? I don't, what in the world? What does it say? We're to shine brightly in this crooked and per perverse world that's in darkness, right? We're supposed to look different. That means you work your job to the best of your ability with the joy of the Lord. People are gonna just see that and that's gonna draw them to something that you have. Do you guys believe that? Because I've had people in my life and I hear tons of stories all the time. It's like, well, how are you like that? What's going on? And I don't know, man. This is just the way I believe it to be. I'm with God. God's doing something in me. And you start to realize people take notice. When I allow God in, he changes my life. There's a, there's a power just in my moral excellence and my virtue that's good. And that's good because that's, that's part of it. But a lot of us would, would kind of feel like, let off the hook if we thought that that's all that we had to do, that's the only kind of power we had to do. If for me to reach the world, all I gotta do is be a good boy. That's easy, that's cool. Well, there's more to it than that. The other part of the definition of this, this dunamis power that the Lord promised is this. There's a mighty, miraculous, supernatural strength that will begin to manifest in your life. Do you believe that? That, come on, we're, we're a Pentecostal church. I hope you know that. We believe in the power of the Holy Spirit here and we see it in our lives. But we should remember that it's not just about distinguish myself, be better, be brighter, because yes, that's part of it. That power will come. But here's the second part of that power. We need to ask for and expect supernatural power in our lives. 
If we wanna be God's witnesses in this world, you know what's gonna get people's attention more than us just being a good person? Is an act of God, a miracle, or you speaking a word of wisdom or knowledge to someone. Someone this morning just came for me and said, hey, did my wife share with you the dream that God gave her? It's super heavy. So I'm like, oh, I gotta hear this thing after. My wife the other day was, was with someone and they were working on a school project. And she goes, oh no, where's the, where's the tissue? She came into my office, where's the tissues? I said, why? I don't know, I was just working on a school project with this person and God gave me a vision for their life and now she's crying and God's touching her and we're having this amazing moment. She goes, but I had a vision and so I shared it with her and it was right, something that's going on in her life so she's coming for tissues. But we need to expect that our God could actually give us visions and dreams and words for people that are not our own. I can't tell you how many times, guys, I have talks with people and outside of church or wherever at church, and like, hey, pastor, I got some, some tough questions for you. And I'm just going, oh, no. Oh, no, here's where it all unravels and it all falls apart and everybody's going to know I am not, I don't have it together. Oh, no, here we go, right? And you know what I do? I instantly pray, God, give me wisdom. God, give me wisdom. I don't know what's going on. Then the person will lay out their life situation and it's hard and whatever. And I just go, uh, and I start to speak. And something just starts rolling out of my mouth and words. And they're just like, tears might come. Or they're just like, thank you, that's so much. Wow, how'd you get the wisdom to do that? And I'm like, I don't even know. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I just went into it praying. And the Holy Spirit, because I believe, I ask for, and I expect him to do something supernatural, suddenly I have words to say that just bless that person's life. And I walk away from there scratching my head going, wow, that's cool. How did that happen, right? But it's because I expect that when I get up here, I pray over my sermons every week and I pray when I deliver the word of God that I'm doing it with accuracy, that I'm doing it with relevance, that I'm doing it with, in a way that God's word would get into your hearts and cause action and you to act on it. And you'd be able to say, that was, that was good because God spoke to me. And I pray on it every week, Holy Spirit, it's gotta be you, it's all you, right? And I find that every time after service, people will come and go, hey, how, how'd you know that about me? You been talking to my wife? I'm like, what are you talking about? I don't even know your wife. No, I heard what you said in that sermon, and I know I, know I got to work on my stuff, and I, I get it, I get it. I'm like, I promise, I promise, I don't know. I get lots of people that say that, that was just for me, that was for me, and oh my gosh, Pastor, that was so awesome, that was, and you know what I have to say is it's only because I pray and say, Holy Spirit, do something supernatural, touch people in a way that my words and my sermon preparation could never do because you're a holy God and you have power. I ask for that power and I expect that power. And I literally, like outside of church, people will, will hang out with me. My words are not as cool and full of wisdom when I'm just like <laughs> hanging out. And I'm, I'm sorry, I'm such a letdown to so many people, you know? Like they hang out with me, hey, pastor, how's it going? I'm like, good. So what's new in your life? I'm like, I don't know, I'm going to the grocery store. Oh, oh, that's it, really? You know, I had my notes ready and you just, you know? <laughs> I feel like I'm just not as cool in real life. And part of the reason that I've come to understand is I pray so much over every sermon every single week and I say, Holy Spirit, I expect you're gonna do something. You're gonna give me words to say that are way cooler and better than I could possibly be on my own. And then God kind of convicted me. He says, but you know what, Carl? That same Holy Spirit that gives you the power in the sermons can make you just as cool in real life if you would just ask for it. And so now I'm asking and expecting, God, not just when I preach, I wanna be cool all the time. I wanna always offer something. But it's this mindset that a lot of us have is that we don't really ask for and expect that God is a God of power. And if you've been praying for years to try to reach your friends and family members, why don't you pray, God, more than just me, hopefully I can talk to him or something, I pray that the miraculous would happen in me and through me. I pray that the next time I talk to someone, you'd give me words of wisdom or knowledge that they never knew about or a dream. Or what about this? You just go to that person 
you're trying to get to know the Lord or something, you pray for something audacious and miraculous to happen in their life. God will show up if you're expecting it, if you're asking for it. And then you know what is gonna happen? That person's gonna be like, oh, wait a minute. It's more than just the words my friend's been saying to me. There's something happened. I gotta admit that an act of God just happened, a miracle happened, and they're gonna be forced to deal with that because you asked for power so that you could be his witnesses in this world. Amen? We gotta trust that the supernatural can happen, that breakthroughs can happen, that one of my friends in this, in this church was praying for a job for the past three years. And I remember him just complaining so much about how oh, his job is bad and the people he works with and the money and all that. And so he goes, pray with me. And I go, yeah, I'll be praying for you to get the right job. But not just, not just the right job, not just a better job. He said, yeah, pray with me because I really need this much money and I need these days off and I need this many hours and I need it to be within driving distance of here and I need to have these kind of people that I'm working with. And suddenly I'm like, oh, uh, y'all, I'll pray for you. You know, I, like, I'm like, oh man, that is a checklist of stuff that you're asking. But again, we've been saying, pray the sun stands still type of prayers. Pray the audacious prayers, right? And so here's my friend praying for three years. He calls me the other day, shows up in church, and he tells me, Carl, I got the job. It has this, 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 everything. And I'm, I'm now feeling bad because I didn't even have the faith to pray that for him. I'm like, yeah, God, get him a better job. They stop complaining, you know? And his God, my God, came through in a supernatural act because there's no way that he could have gotten all these things. I'm not just going, yeah, right, buddy, dream on, you know, but I'll pray for you, right? But the reality is when you ask for the amazing supernatural power of God to come, he will come. But are you asking? Because that's going to be an amazing testimony to people to bring them to Jesus. So we need to be asking for that stuff. But what we're talking about is we have this power to give hope to the world. That is the theme for our year. What is the hope? It's not just our name, Hope Chapel, but there is a hope that we believe in that we have to give away, and it's this, Matthew 28, verse, um, oh, I'm sorry, where am I? I dropped down. Uh, the hope that we have, Matthew 12, 21, it's talking about Jesus, and it says, his name will be the hope of all the world. That we got to remember that it's about Jesus and that what we're giving away is Jesus so you don't have to feel like you have to have all the answers. You just introduce people to Jesus. And in Hebrews 6.19, it says, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, which is firm and secure. He tells us we're to go and make disciples. And the word disciple can be a scary word. So here's what the real word in, in disciple really means, the translation, followers. You know what Jesus is calling us to? Just go introduce people to Jesus. Get them following Jesus because then when they taste the goodness of Jesus, they're going to want to come back on their own. And so he's not, I don't like the word disciple sometimes because it's only a word that's pretty much usually only used in church settings. We don't use it in the normal world. We don't really say at work, like I'm discipling this person into their um, accounting job. And you know, you use training or you use like internship, you use different words, mentoring. But disciple, is, it's almost like such a churchy word. When I preach it, I feel like sometimes people's eyes glaze over like, no, I'm not that churchy guy. I don't know what he's talking about. Ugh, disciples, right? Make disciples. And you think, I got to go bring someone and, and like share Jesus with them and lead them to Christ and get them saved and explain to them all the doctrine of hamartiology and eschatology and end times and salvation. I got to save their wife, their kids, their dog. I got to be responsible. Oh my gosh, that's so hard. Disciple, it's so churchy. I want to break your mindset of that and literally go right to the, the, just the absolute meaning of the word, make followers of Jesus. You know what that means? Just introduce someone, plant a seed in their heart so they might know Jesus. Pastor Tom and his wife Grace took me and my wife out to eat um, a couple months ago and they introduced us to a new ramen shop downtown and I love ramen and I go to Japan, I just love it. And so they introduced, oh, we got this place for you guys, let's go, let's go grind this spot. So we went to this place called Kiwami's. 
And um, we walked in there, and I'm like, oh, it looks legit, smells legit. We eat the food. Mine's super good. My wife's wasn't, but that's cool. Next time. But, you know, we're eating. I'm like, oh, this is so good, you know? And she's just like, oh, mine is not as good as yours. And I go, but don't worry, babe. We'll come back. We'll get this. And the thing that impressed me most about how good it was 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 really cool because I didn't know where this place was, where it existed. Tom and Grace had to introduce us to this place. But once I got a flavor of that place, I don't need them anymore. I'm coming back here on my own, right? <laughs> Not that I don't love my friends, but I need to come back and enjoy this on my own, convince my wife this stuff is amazing because I got a taste of how good it was. So when we're making disciples, all you're doing, giving a taste of the goodness of God. You introduce someone to Jesus and then let the Holy Spirit grow them up. You don't have to be responsible for all of that. Maybe your job was just to plant the seed and God was gonna bring someone else along to help water it and do all of that. But give people an introduction and give them a taste of Jesus. Doesn't that sound easier than making disciples? Right? Not that I'm opposed to that, but the original word just says, make followers of Jesus. Just introduce people to Jesus. But it says, Jesus is our hope of the world. He is the hope. It says, we have this hope. This is the theme verse that Hope Chapel, we came up with the name 40 years ago. I didn't come up with the name. I was like not even born yet. My dad came up with the name Hope Chapel because Hebrews 6.19, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. I have something that's good with God and you do too. He's our anchor. He's our security. He's the stability in our life when our life gets messed up. Yesterday, I took my son surfing. I take him surfing quite a bit. And up until this time, I've always taken him out kind of small waves, you know, because he's learning. He's 11 years old. Yesterday, we paddled out, and there was overhead sets. And I was like, okay, buddy, here we go. Um, follow me. Stay on the shoulder. Stay on the side. Just, tell you, just go on the ones I tell you to go for. And we paddled out. And it was all kind of smaller waves in the beginning. But um, a big set came in. And I took the first wave and I went and I was with him the whole time, but I took a wave and it took me away from him. It separated me from him. I went down on the right. I actually got barreled. I was so stoked. Yeah. And I, I pulled out and guys were hooting. Yeah. Guys didn't even know me. I'm like, yes, God made my day. Right. I'm paddling back. And then this big bomb set comes in. And my son's right there in the impact zone. And I just see the wave come and it's big for him, real big. And I just see him dive off and his board goes shooting and then he gets sucked over. Then he pops up and his eyeballs are just like, you know, and I'm like paddling my hardest to get over there. And um, he, he comes up and I'm just like, oh, no. And then there's a second one coming behind it. And he just turns around. And I'm like, oh, no, what's he going to do? You know, and he actually caught it and he stood up and he wrote it. He's writing. I was like, yeah, but I knew he was scared. I'm like, oh, man, I got to go paddle after him because I think he's just going to paddle straight to the beach. I think he's he's scared. He's he's bummed, you know, and I, I'm watching. And as I'm paddling out, I see him all the way inside. He turns back around. He comes paddling back out. I'm like, whoa, I was so proud. I'm like, yeah, that's right, my boy, right? He's the youngest kid out there by far. And he comes paddling back out. I'm like, yeah, cool. So I come paddling over. And he, you know where he paddles? He paddles straight to me. And I was like, oh, yeah. And I go, you okay? He goes, no, that was super scary. I'm just, I'm really scared. And I'm like, I know, I can tell. And I just put my hand on his back. But you know how proud I was that my son, instead of running tail between his legs straight to the beach, easily could have, he paddled back to me, right in the waves. He paddled to dad. And when I read this verse about Jesus is my hope and my firm foundation, my security, my anchor, I thought of this. My son just got lickings bad. He just got worked by a wave, right? But he paddled straight back to dad, the sign of his strength. And I was so proud of him at that moment. And I just thought, God, this is how you must feel when we come to you. And we have this hope in you. And no matter what life's doing right now in your life, where you're sitting right now, whatever it's beating you up with, you have this firm, secure foundation, this anchor that is Jesus Christ. But think about this. 
How many of your friends and family don't have that? And so when they're getting worked by the waves in life, they just keep going over the falls over and over again. They have nowhere to paddle to. They have no place of safety. They confuse themselves and try to meet it with all these other things. We have the ability to bring hope to this world. Amen? This is the theme for this year. And when he says go out into all the world, he's talking about go to the bigger world. We're a church that has plans for, let's send mission teams to around the world so that we get a heart for the lost in this world because America seems so Christianized already. As much as we're all messed up, we all claim to be Christians, right? But you go to other countries where there's like Japan, less than 1% of the country knows God at all. You start to walk around in the masses of people and you start to realize how many people in this street right now that I'm looking at are ever gonna go to heaven and how many are going to hell? And you get a glimpse. So our church is about going on mission trips. If you've never been on a mission trip, in this church, I'm gonna always tell you, everybody, every Christian, at one time in their life should go on a mission trip just to expand your view of what the world's about and the need for Jesus Christ. But we do stuff like we plant churches, we do Samaritan's Purse and Operation Christmas Child, we gave like two, 3,000 boxes, shoe boxes to kids in other uh, countries. We did the whole uh, Japanese homestays coming in here. We sent like 77 missionaries last year to uh, Japan, Dominican Republic, uh, Africa. Uh, where else? I'm missing one of the places. I don't know. All these, these places that we go to, we have a heart for the world. We sponsor kids from Compassion. Last year alone, our church sponsored 500, over 500 kids in the Philippines. That means we're a church sitting here in Kaneohe that's making a difference around the world in the Philippines, bringing people Jesus, healing, health, education, all of that by sponsoring kids. We're a church that's always gonna have a heart for the world because he said go into all the ends of the earth, right? But what's more important, it's gotta kind of start in our community. And we're a church that believes in, I see this all the time, many churches just owning different parks, cleaning different parks, going and meeting needs at, at public schools, painting out graffiti, feeding the homeless, just saying we as a community can get together. Our church this year has plans. We have lots of plans for 2013, hope in the world. We're gonna be all about getting into our neighborhoods, getting into our schools, prayer walking the schools, going and just doing door-to-door -door invites to people to church because we're going old school. That's what seems to work. Just talk to people, right? Just go and knock on doors and meet people, invite them to stuff, but really just try to be, we're the church here. We need to get out there in the world because we have a hope that is like my son paddling back to me. I have Jesus and that's such a great feeling but my friends don't have that and I better go offer it to them. We have all of these plans to do all these outreaches and water bottles and all the stuff that we do. We can do it together. We can do it worldwide. We can do it in our community. But you know what's even better is when you and I individually own what we're supposed to do and we just in our personal world get out there and just connect people to Jesus. If we don't catch the heart here in us, then the community in the world is never gonna happen. We gotta own it personally. And so it's gonna have to come back to you and me. Remember what I said is we starts with me. And don't ever, look, don't ever overlook or overcomplicate the simple power of simply inviting someone to church. So simple. You think, well, I'm not really doing what? Well, that's fine. If you're scared and you're timid, pray for the Holy Spirit, just invite someone to church and hand them off to the family of God hand them off to the word that they're gonna hear, hand them off to the worship that they experience, hand them off to God having a chance to touch people's lives. But it's gotta be simple. It's gotta be about making followers, not like disciples, I don't know what that means. Followers, just introduce, plant the seeds in people, do something small. What would it take wearing your wristband around and getting compliments and getting like stuff? There's, I've been hearing all kinds of stories of people wanting wristbands from their friends because the people don't even go to church, but they're like, what does that mean? And a Hope Chapel member gets a chance to explain everything that I mean. Well, our church is doing this deal. And people are like, I don't even go to church. I don't know God, but that's cool. Can I get one of those bracelets? 
Can I get one of those wristbands? Use that, use this. We're giving you, this is basically, you know what this is? This is our uniform for 2013. That we are basically giving you guys all a uniform. Trevor designed this shirt to basically say, hope in the world. That this is basically saying, here's our hands with a heart for Hawaii, for our community, for the people around us. And we wanna remind ourselves by wearing it, I'm supposed to be loving these people around me. And when people see us wearing, hey, I've seen that shirt before in Kaneohe, some guy in Longs was wearing that. What is that all about? That we would have an opportunity right there to say, oh, this, we're, we're Christians. We're about people finding Jesus and do whatever you can to plant seeds. That's all we're after is planting seeds. Why is it so important to plant seeds? Because every healthy redwood tree started with one small seed. All that we talked about last week, all the amazing growth and fruitfulness of all those redwood trees and those strong lives that are rooted and built up on Jesus Christ, it started with the seed. Remember the question this morning, who introduced you to Jesus? How did they do it? A lot of us would say, you know what, I had a relative or a friend that was just super nice for, to me. And then they, someone would say, that, well, someone was always praying for me and they told me that. And some of us would say, oh, my parents used to drag me and force me to go to church all the time. That was me, right? But something caught on. My parents planted a seed. They, they kind of started me off in that interest in Jesus Christ. And I felt like I had to go, but I knew something was good. But you know what happens is, it doesn't matter how small the seed is because someone else is gonna come along and nurture that seed and water it and God's gonna make it grow. I'm a pastor today because my parents planted a seed in me. So what I'm asking you guys is figure out ways in your personal life, join your kid's PTA so you can be a Christian in the PTA and just shine the light of Jesus in there. Go coach your kid's team simply so you can be the Christian and shine the light there. You guys get what I'm saying? How could you use 10 bucks this week? Think about it creatively. How could I use 10 bucks to introduce people to Jesus? What if you treated someone to lunch? What if you bought someone a gift? What if you loaned someone money? All of that, all we're trying to do is start the relationship. Remember, if someone gets a taste of Jesus, they're gonna wanna come back for more. And so we just gotta learn to be someone that can start that seed. 1 Corinthians 3, five through eight says this. After all, who is Apollos? Who's Paul? We're only God's servants through whom you believe the good news. Each of us did the work that the Lord gave us. I planted the seed in your hearts and Apollos watered it, but it was God who made it grow. It's not important who does the planting or who does the watering. What's important is that God, God makes the seed grow. The one who plants and the one who waters work together with the same purpose and both will be rewarded for their own hard work. All you gotta be responsible for is planting seeds. You might be the one that just planted the seed, never even saw do anything else, someone else comes along and waters it. My parents planted the seed in me about church and about Jesus Christ and about God. But it wasn't until I was about 13, 14 years old that I went to a youth camp when everything became real. It's like my youth leaders and the, my youth peers, they watered that seed and God had a chance to make it grow. Right now we have about 150 of our junior hires and high schoolers out at Camp Mokaleia this weekend. We should be praying for them. We should be praying that the seeds that us as parents and friends and whatever have planted gets watered, gets nourished, and grows. Because I'll tell you this, youth camp changed my eternity. It changed my life. Why? Not wasn't camp in itself, but it was God's people investing in me. Someone had already planted a seed, but if that seed wasn't planted by my parents, I would never have gotten to camp where it got watered and nourished, and from then on, it just kept on growing. You see how important it is just to plant the small seed? It's okay, parents, to force your kids to go to church. It is, because you know what? You're planting a seed. They may rebel for five, 10 years of their life, but you know what, they all come back. I've lived long enough to see that they all come back to what was instilled in them way back when. We just have to plant that seed. And we can do it as simple as, as loaning someone something or giving someone a resource that you have. This is my way to shine Jesus' light in them. 
No one else would give them this. I'm giving them something. Maybe it's you use money. Maybe you invite someone to church. Maybe, maybe it's social media. You just text a few bold things that God tells you. The Holy Spirit's telling me, I'm going to put some stuff in. I'm going to encourage someone. Someone that knows I'm a Christian. I've never really talked to them about it, though. On Facebook or whatever, I'm just going to say, hey, I'm praying good things for you. Something as simple as that can help perk someone's interest that Jesus might be the way, the truth, and the life. You guys get what I'm saying? Get creative. What is it we could, we could do that would be a simple thing just to, to get someone introduced to Jesus? And I want you to write this down because here's my goal for the year for all of us as a church. I'm going to be giving a lot of goals like let's do this this month. Let's use money this month. Let's use our uh, social media this month. Let's use giving compliments. Let's use, let's use your car this month, whatever. Let's get creative on how we could reach people. But I want you to write this one down. Each one reach one. My goal is that everyone in our church, instead of thinking, I got to disciple nations, think, I got to be discipling one person, that if we all did that, it could turn into nations. That if you could just say, there's people in my life, but where do I start? Start with one. If every one of us helped someone else find Jesus by the end of this year, automatically, just numbers-wise, our church would double in one year if everyone took on the responsibility, I'm going to bring one person to Jesus Christ. And you know, if we have double the size of the church, we have double the amount of warriors and people going out there sharing Jesus with people, double the mini churches, double the ministry, double the financial resources, double the mission trips, the church planting. If we thought like that, we can make a difference and all we all have to do is start praying for one person and start trying to get one person plugged in and connected to Jesus. Can you do that in one year's time? Some of you are like, oh, I don't even know, that's scary. But you think about that, in one whole year, you just focus on one person and bring one person to Jesus, we could actually make a huge difference. And to end it with this is, what if I fail? Because if you're like me, that's scary. And you're like, well, what if I fail, man? What if I try and say something and I just get shut down and denied? Well, I saw this one movie because I always used to feel that way. I'm a pastor. I'm gifted in preaching. I'm not gifted in evangelism. Don't bother, right? And then the, the Great Commission is just glaring me in the face saying, all of us are responsible for getting everyone, right? And so I, I always thought, what if I fail? I'm scared. And I saw this movie, and I can't even remember what movie it was from. I just remember the line. The line says this, you only fail if you didn't try. I want to leave you with that this morning. You only fail if you didn't try. God is saying, you tried, and it didn't seem like it went too good. You know what? You planted a seed. You don't even know it. It's not your job to grow it. Someone else is going to come along two weeks from now, five years from now. Someone else is going to water it. I'm going to make it grow. God is going, you just try, and I'm up in heaven applauding you, and I'm proud of you. You're doing your job to bring people into the kingdom. There's a world that's lost, and if we don't try, then we've automatically failed. But if we try, at least we're doing something. Is this a good word this morning? I'm excited to give you guys your free shirts out there. You got to fill out the card to go get them and all that. But I'm hoping that this year, this church, we would bring people into church. We would be out there in the world bringing them to church before we just sit here in a holy huddle thinking, God, I hope they come. But we would be doing something about it. Is that good? Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you so much for who you are. Lord, thank you that you are our hope, our security, that firm anchor in our lives, Lord, that we can keep coming back to you knowing that we're safe with you. Lord, what a great picture you showed me yesterday, just with my own son, Father, that he would come back in the midst of all of those scary waves, and he'd come back right to his dad, Lord, and I thank you that we have that in you. Thank you so much, Lord. I pray that we'd be able to take that to this world, because they need you too. They need you bad, Lord, and they're not going to find you if it isn't, isn't up to us, and you've, you've called us to do that. So, Lord, we pray right now, as our church goes forward this year, you'd make us productive that you would break our hearts for what breaks yours. You would put upon our hearts, at the very least, one person that we're gonna try to introduce to Jesus Christ. 
Lord, there may be more. Some of us in here have outgoing, charismatic, evangelistic personalities. Maybe they'll bring in 30. But Lord, that's a different calling for each of us, but each of us can at least focus on one. And I pray that we would, Lord. I pray that by the end of this year, Lord, as the next year rolls around, that our church would be bigger, that the body would be blessed, that, Lord, your love would be flourishing, that we'd be making a bigger impact in this world around us, starting in our community, starting in Hawaii.